This is the Be On Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. This year we're exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament in what we're calling a chrono-geobiological flow, kind of a fancy little word we made up, meaning we're following the chronology of the book of Acts and then stepping off to the places and people and theological topics that are addressed in the book of Acts. And for the past several weeks, Ben, we've been, we've been stuck in Corinth because there's two long books in the New Testament written to the Corinthians, 16 chapters in 1 Corinthians, 13 chapters in 2 Corinthians. So we've spent about six weeks of this study in 1 and 2 Corinthians and and what's going on around this city. And I I feel like we're like Paul. He stayed there a year and a half. I feel like we've almost been there. Uh, Well, not quite that long, but we've been dwelling there for quite a while just because of the massive amount of content that we have related to it. A little bit later, we're going to be in other places where the book of Ephesians isn't nearly as long, so we won't spend as long on podcasts related to the city of Ephesus. But Corinth, we've we've talked about quite a bit, and we're leaving it today. There's a multitude of chapters that we're not going to be able to hit on, but I've really enjoyed the discussions we've had and the studies that we've been involved in, the the sermons that you and I and have been able to preach, and then also the this the time to reflect on what God is doing. So Paul is kind of he's coming close to the end of the book of Second Corinthians, and we're going to spend some time in chapter ten today, in chapter ten of Second Corinthians, as he's coming to the conclusion of this this final letter, as far as we know, the final one he wrote. And he's speaking to them about his ministry to them in Corinth and how he sees that as a a platform or a springboard maybe for his ministry to the the world even beyond them. Even though at this point, Corinth was the furthest west he had been from his home, he saw it moving even further beyond this. Let's let's take a few moments. As As we think about this, take a few moments here to reflect on First and Second Corinthians. So I was going to ask you if, if you could, um, what stands out from you, like big picture, from Paul's ministry to and letters to the Christians in Corinth so far? Does anything come to your mind as like, you know, Corinthians is is kind of about this. The city is about this, or the ministry is about this, or the the overall theme that Paul is writing is about this. As we're wrapping this up today, kind of, kind of a reflective moment, putting you on the spot. What stands out as, a, as you know, maybe one or two things that, like, this is a good learning thing from Paul in this. Yeah, there's there's probably two things. One is First uh, Corinthians chapter one has uh, one of my I don't know if you're allowed to say favorite verses, but uh, at the opening to the to the church in Corinth and again a church awash in immorality and wrestling with what it means to be a follower of Christ uh in this uh you know pagan culture um that is is filled with sexual immorality and and all these other issues uh Paul says to to the church to the church of God in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be sanctified it's a reminder that in in Christ through the, the work of Christ, having received Christ, the, the Corinthians, even as they're fleshing out what this means, are 
received fully uh, uh, into God's eternal kingdom, that they've been fully embraced by God as his uh, sons and daughters, been fully embraced by the love of God. And so it's a reminder to us of the you know, immeasurable grace of God, the unconditional love of God toward those who have received Christ, the forgiveness of God. It's a reminder of all these things that are standing before God, rest in the work of Jesus Christ and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's also a reminder that for those who have received Christ, we're going to increasingly become who we are. And so if we have been declared holy in Christ, if we've been declared sanctified in Christ, then our lives are going to increasingly reflect our reality. And really, that's what I see in these two books, is that Paul is fleshing out for them, this is what it means to be faithful. This is what it means to grow up in our relationship with Christ, to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so he reminds them multiple times, this is who you are. This is who you were. This is who you are now. Hmm. And so be who you are. I love that. I think for me, as I reflect on the, the big theme in the, in the books for Second Corinthians, it's on Jesus crucified and Jesus risen. And to never take our eyes off of that, that no matter what we're facing around us, it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. And that then leads us from who we were to who we are, as you're describing it. So there is so much in these. They're just, it's just chock full of nuggets of gold that we would encourage the listeners to spend some time dwelling deeply in, in each one of these. And even, even in the passages we're talking about, we don't have time to, to go verse by verse or word by word. And um, there's a lot there for us to reflect on. So we we encourage you to do that. And and as you're as you're following through the share, if you're new to this, just jump in where we are. Don't try to go back and catch up all this. You can do that at another time if you want. But jump in where we are and grab a hold of our church app or go to our our website. And when you do that, you can get this Beyond Mission link, and it'll give you. A, a daily reading, at least five day, five days a week, a, a daily reading of scripture and some other parts to go with that. And the point is to dwell with the word of God, because that's what changes our hearts and changes our minds and changes our way of living so that we are conformed to him alone. So let's, let's take a look at second Corinthians chapter 10, some of that today. And as we, as we do so, we're thinking about what Paul, how Paul is kind of wrapping up this thing, and it's his second letter, but we think it's probably actually his fourth letter. A couple of them got, you know, were lost to antiquity. But as Paul is is writing this, he he's talking about himself, and he does something that he's done in other places, and he's saying, "Look, I, I'm not that great." not that great of a public speaker. I'm, I'm not that eloquent. I'm not this and that. So he seems to be doing the same thing here in chapter 10, verse 1, and says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face-to-face with you, but bold toward you when away. You know, we think about, we think about Paul as being 
perhaps the greatest evangelist in the history of Christianity, the one who took it from what we know now today as modern-day Israel out into the rest of the world. Others did as well, but he's the one that's most well-known because a lot of the New Testament was about him and written by him. And you wouldn't think like he would fit the caricature of an evangelist or of a person who is expanding the gospel of, with apostolic roots to him that spread way beyond his current cultural context into foreign nations and foreign cities. As a guy who's timid, that's it's a it's not what we picture. Is as people think about hiring pastors for their churches. They don't say, let me first get somebody who's timid. That's what we really want. Somebody who's not super eloquent. Somebody who's not a really persuasive person. That's not typically what we look for in church leaders. And yet that seems to be, in some places, Paul's self-assessment. Yeah, I think every pastor to some degree needs to be a pastor theologian. Um, In fact, every pastor needs to be a pastor theologian. and and Paul kind of reminds me of he's like the professorial evangelist, you know. He is a gifted writer. He's in in some ways just kind of an academic that's been sent out on the road to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And so there's this interesting timidity uh, to Paul because when you read his words, you're like, man, this dude's not timid at all. He's as bold as all get out. And we forget that. Well, yeah. Part of that boldness is that the freedom to be bold is because he's writing and he is a gifted writer. And that's part of the reason why we, we think of, of others who, uh, you know, Philip or somebody else who's a gifted evangelist, who's described as this gifted evangelist, or maybe even some of the other apostles who, who maybe weren't big on writing, but you know, were the extroverts and they always wanted to be in fellowship with everybody and hanging out with everybody and having a good time and talking with everybody and, and sharing Christ with everybody. And uh, Paul, most of his ministry uh, is done from jail. And, you know, I, I, I can identify a little bit with Paul there, you know, the, the, the jailhouse uh, being under house arrest while there were people that came to him and attended to him or present with him. You know, Paul's kind of locked up in his office doing a lot of writing in response to what he's hearing or what he's observed in these, uh, in these communities. I think my, my takeaway from it that extends what you're saying is simply that be yourself. And you might be a person who is more shy or timid or you're super outgoing and, and you're friendly, like whatever, whoever you are, be yourself and let God use the gifts he's given to you, the personality that he's given to you to impact people around you. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what he did. So he goes on to say in verse two, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to take, to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Though for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So he seems to be saying, I might have been timid when I was with you before, but I'm coming back, and when I come back, I'm going to turn off the timidity switch and turn on the boldness switch, and if I have to, I'm going to remind you that you belong to Christ, and your life needs to be a reflection of that. And That verse 5 is an interesting one. We demolish arguments, and then at the end of it, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This, there's a lot of stuff going on here in like the language, arguments, and the mind, thoughts. That Christianity is not simply about behavior. We've talked about that a little bit, about the things that we do. Because we don't, we don't get a behavioral management. That's not what it means to, to be in the church or to lead the church by any means. But this goes beyond behavioral management. This is verbal and mental. It's not management by any means, but these are areas of our lives which, when out of alignment with God, cause problems in our lives. So this idea of taking captive every thought and demolishing arguments and being ready to punish every act of disobedience, Paul's wrapping up this letter in the next chapter, so what do you make of this? That Paul is telling, you know, that he's going to show up, he's, he's coming back to town, and part of it is, is that he is going to, you know, in essence, let us reason together. Do you think the guy reading the scrolls, like, shaking? <laughs> right, as he's reading this, yeah. He's coming back, and he's going to be loaded uh, for bear. And yet, we recognize that, you know, as Paul says, we do not wage war as the world does. And so... You know, Paul's engagement is going to be around the word of God, reasoning with the people around the word of God, calling people uh, to account for those who who need to be held uh, accountable. And Paul's going to open the scriptures to them. It's not about Paul's message. It's about God's message being relayed uh, at this point through the Apostle Paul. And it's about faithfulness to Jesus Christ. It's not about faithfulness to Paul. It's about faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And that's where Paul's passion emerges from. You know, it's, it's not, you know, Paul being a, a jerk or whatever. It's about Paul seeking to be faithful to Christ, seeking to love the Lord, seeking to, to have those in Corinth draw near to Christ, that their lives would be enriched by the, the love of Jesus Christ. And so this isn't about Paul. This is about Paul being faithful to Christ, even to the point where he recognizes he's going to have to put his timidity aside in, in a character, in, in meekness. And meekness is an aspect of our, of our life. It's not, I'm going to let somebody run over me. Meekness is, I'm going to be meek before Christ. I'm going to be humble before Christ. I'm going to submit uh, you know, e- even my my timidity to Christ, and I'm going to 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 be faithful to God's call upon my life. And in this moment, that means that we're going to have to have a really hard conversation. Yeah, he says that down in verse ten. He, he he quotes them for some say quote about Paul. 
His letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Now he writes, such people should realize that what we are in our letters, when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. I mean, he's, he's firing one across the bow here and saying, I'm coming. And what you've read, you're, you're going to see, you're describing it in an interesting way, but I, I would say almost a different side of me, but you're, you're going to see the, the part of me that, that you read about. And I'm going to confront these things because we cannot pretend to be followers of Jesus and allow ourselves to get distracted in the ways of the world it's not okay. And so he's, he's bringing that to town and you think he actually did it? I mean, you know, or he, when, when he showed up in these places, was he as bold as he is in his letters? Because a lot of people read Paul and they think, man, this guy was a first class jerk, but at least by his letter to them and they would have read it and said, he's telling the truth or not. He was unimpressive. He wasn't a great speaker. He was timid when he tended to be with them. And he said, but this time when I'm coming back, you've gotten two or three or four letters from me. You've gotten a few visits from me. Um, Enough's enough. Yeah. To where their, their actions are mandating his response. I mean, his hope is for, you know, immediate repentance that, that things are, are good and whole when, when he shows up, but their actions have mandated this response, the seriousness of their actions require the response. And it's a part of his pastoral care, his pastoral heart. Because again, I cannot emphasize this enough. This, this isn't about, it, it, this isn't about being some sort of, you know, dictatorial overbearing tyrant. This, is, this isn't about Paul being a tyrant. This is about Paul deeply desiring the community of faith to be faithful to Jesus Christ because the love of Christ should compel them to where, as Paul said earlier in chapter five, that as one has died for all, we have all died. The idea that we're going to die to self. And this is Paul's longing for the people. His longing is for wholeness. His longing is for the love of Christ, the truth of God to be made manifest in the community, in Corinth. And and that's his that's his desire. That's his motivating factor. You know, why does Paul endure these things? Why would Paul uh, in some way step out of his, his character to some degree, his timidity, to be more bold? Why does Paul, when he talks about all that he has suffered for the sake of Christ in chapter 11, what has allowed him, freed him to suffer, why does he do all these things? Because he is overwhelmed by the grace of God to him that he has been rescued by the work of Christ, that he has been reconciled to God. He is so overwhelmed by that love. He marvels at it because he knows, as he, as he talked about in his letters to Timothy, he knows that he doesn't deserve any of it. And he just marvels at God's grace to him, at God's forgiveness to him as one who once persecuted the church has been rescued by the redemptive love of God, and all he can do is is live out of that. Yeah, he's aiming for that, what he called in chapter 7, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And, and 
I believe all he wants is for people to pivot their lives back toward Christ and take steps in that direction rather than having the convenience of Christ sort of in their hip pocket and marching any direction they want with their lives. And he's, he's saying, I think he'll do whatever it takes to bring the message, the true message of Christ to them and hope and hopes that they will then repent. They will turn their lives back toward him in every way. He, he wraps this up in chapter 10 with a, a couple of verses, I think, that are interesting. And let's take a look at some of those. I think I'm going to skip down to um, verse 15, chapter 10, verse 15. And he says, Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. And here's what I want to aim at. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. The sphere of activity among you. He's, he's coming back to Corinth, a city of corruption, a city of temple god and goddess worship, a city of sexuality and sensuality, a city where food, meat is offered to idols and blood of animals are used for pagan rituals. And he said, I want to come back so our sphere of activity among you in your city will greatly expand. I, I love that. And then in verse 16, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions even beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. Boy, do I ever know that language, you know. <laughs> don't don't plant a church over here by me because that's my area. Don't do a start of ministry by me. That's my area. And Paul seemed to be mindful of that perhaps in some ways. But I love the heart of this that he was interested in coming back, not just to minister to the people who are part of the house church or whatever was gathering in Corinth, but to say, let's expand this, that the sphere of activity will expand, that will move in regions beyond you, and that'd be cities and, and these territories, these Roman regions beyond you, I believe. That's what our hope and our goal is, is to come so that not only you individually, personally, your life can be more in alignment with God, but that we corporately can fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ in the world. I love that sentiment. What, what do you think about this? Yeah, um, at the end of the day, our, our goal is to, is to bear witness to the gospel. And so that's where Paul sees the behavior in Corinth as an impediment to that witness. And so Paul's deepest desire is for them to uh, align themselves with Christ um, so that the gospel will ultimately spread. Um, that's the depth of his, desire, of his desire is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, this has been a good discussion in the book of First and Second Corinthians, and I hope that you guys have enjoyed it and learned a little bit along the way as well as we have discussed it. We're, we're going to be returning to the narrative in the book of Acts as when we begin again next time and start exploring the city of Ephesus, the ministry that's there, 
as as Paul ministers there in the book of Acts, and then the week after that we'll be diving in to some of the teachings in the book of Ephesians. Well, it's, it's been good talking about these topics, and as we're preparing to dive deeper into this study, into the book of Ephesians, and the book of Acts first, we encourage our listeners to jump in more deeply. If you'd like to do so, you can go to find our church app or our website, fishersumc.org, and click on the Beyond Mission link that'll take you to more elements of this year-long study of the mission of Jesus. If you want to stay up to date with the Beyond Mission podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, may God bless.